Welcome back to the How's the Market podcast. This is a podcast brought to you by Keeping Current Matters, and it's one part of our greater vision to help housing professionals educate and serve their clients. And this week, we have a real treat for you. We've got Renee Rodriguez on, and Renee is really an expert when it comes to communication, your mindset, and ultimately, how do you have influence in the market? He's going to talk about answering the questions right now that clients are asking and doing that really, really well. So let's hop in. All right, Renee, I am excited to have you on the How's the Market podcast. Uh, Grateful for our friendship and uh, for you joining today. Me too, my friend. Me too, dude. It's been way too long. Yeah. So tell me what you've been up to over the past uh, year. You know, you're you're out there speaking, coaching, traveling. You wrote a book in the last year. Uh, what do you, what are you up to these days? It's uh, well. Last year, I think I spoke. When I say speaking, either virtually or in person, 239 days. So it's wow. been a whirlwind. I don't see it slowing down right now, but. We're we're shifting the model a little bit to be do more you know more leveraged events instead of so much in person okay. stuff. It's just it's a, it's it's been a lot. It's been good. Grateful for it. The book has been very helpful. We've been trying to be there too you know during for your clients and our clients during sort of the the, the changes in the transition. But it's it's uh, yeah. it's been a lot. I've been very grateful though. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about that over the last couple of years. How uh, you know communication and influence has changed. You know through COVID, post-COVID, all that. But just as a little bit of setup, Renee, in my opinion, you are the GOAT when it comes to influence and communication. Um, you've taught so many people how to, how to, how to communicate well. You are uh, a, a student of how the brain works and, and what all goes on there that causes us to say and do the things that we do. But if somebody were to describe you, how would you want them to describe you? Well, that's a hard one. Okay. Let's see. Um, in terms of what context, as a person, as a as just business, a, a, as as your work, you know what you as do. My work. Mm-hmm. I think you did it great right there. <laughs> I would take exactly what you said. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. You know, <clears throat> I think that you know what I would pride myself on is that Renee doesn't follow the typical path of rah rah yelling and screaming. Um, Renee's Renee makes you think. Mm. and then gives you the tools to implement something that lasts longer than the emotional moment of the talk. Renee haunts me with these ideas that force me to self-reflect and question in a good way who I am, what I do, how I do it, and reminds me that I can be bigger than I am. I would love to hear that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I hear that. I I love that as just a word picture you know, of of everything that you do. So here's what's on my mind, just as we have the next few minutes to spend time together and and talk about this. And and really the purpose of this is to invite people into a conversation like you and I might have, uh, you you know, on any uh, given day or or as we communicate, really talking about mindset today, then how does that, you you know, translate into communication and ultimately influence, right? Uh, You know, folks that, that are listening to the podcast are uh, in real estate, uh, loan officers, you know, everybody servicing the residential transaction of buying a home. You work a lot with that group, but also out in the world. But what is on your mind right now about mindset? Because we live in a world, you turn on the TV, there's wars, there's economic issues, but just how do we keep our minds right given all that? I have spent so long trying to figure out 
how do you get past the platitude cliched conversation around change your mindset? Okay. Right. How? Like how mindset, I mean, mindset is how you determine the reality of the world for yourself. And we get so caught up in this perception as reality. It's my perception. Well, it's only reality to you. Mm. And that's, that's really not much of an advantage in life. And when I, I go, I'm going to function off my own reality, forget yours. There's no advantage in that. I mean, there's no benefit. There's no quality to that. There's no better accuracy in that. So you have to be able to look at and understand that my perception is my own reality. Well, what's yours? What's your perception? Right. That might be a way of saying that. What's your perspective? And <clears throat> so when we think about like the, the concept of mindset, I think that, you know, this is not new, but I think it's profound when you put these ideas together. Right. And when you think about, okay, so there's, what's the algorithm to deciding how we look at life, which would be the mindset that we approach events? Well, I think the first one is uh, the first question for me is, can I control this mm. or can I not? Right. And the, the, the wisdom in that serenity prayer of the, of to the, the wisdom to know the difference of what I can and what I can't control. Right. And so but that applies every day. It's like, <clears throat> okay, here's information that just brought to me. Can I control this? Interest rates went higher. Can I control this? No. And so then we go, okay, well, what am I going to focus on? Because I, I got the choice of focus of what I have or what I don't have. So we look at those two, those four choices and the matrix that they create. Okay, I can focus on what I don't. Let's say I choose what I don't have. <clears throat> I'm going to focus on what I don't have. And then I'm going to choose focus what I can control that I don't have. I can get up in the morning. I don't have the health that I want. Okay, but I can control my workouts. Okay, cool. That's a really cool combination for growth. Right. But if I switch one of those, Focus what I don't have, and I am focused on what I can't control. That is the spiral for depression, anxiety, fear, mm. trepidation, small steps. Just that small step, the small shift in focusing on what I have and what I can control. Man, that's like gratitude on its highest. Right. And self-control, right? Focusing on what I have, that which I can't control, there's also more gratitude and some luck in that. The third part, though, is <clears throat> where's my attention? Is it in the past, the present, or the future? Mm. And so anything future-related, typically, of which you can't control is the formula for anxiety. And the things that I can't control in the past, because I can't control the past, I can't control the future. And if I focus on what I don't have in the past, it equals sadness. And so the only time that you're really safe is in the here and now. Right. <clears throat> you want to ensure your future be fully present now with some understanding of the future consequences of it, but you don't live there. You take a look, but you come back to the present. And so those three choices, those three elements, if you will, I think determine how we construct reality for ourselves, but also right. determine the, that's the real mindset stuff, real mindset stuff. Right. Is there anybody that you are coaching now that if we kind of think about our business, right, the, the world's out here happening. You mentioned interest rates certainly impacting um, the business. Is there anybody that you're working with or, or ways that you would say, hey, this is way I, the way I see that being implemented today? You know, or, or a little tool trip, uh, to, uh, sorry, tip, you know, to, to, to be able to implement that. So my, my good buddy, Shant Benotion, I don't know if you know Shant, she's number one loan officer in the country. Okay. So he's having a down year at, at a billion dollars. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, a, he's, an, he's just a machine. When you hang out with him, you realize why he's a machine. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy, big heart, 
focused, undistractable, clear, learner, wants to grow. And we were on stage at Housing Wire and I, and I <clears throat> caught him off guard with the question. I said, why do you love times like this? Mm. And he looked at me, looks back, and he just kind of does a double take and he goes, almost like this moment aha for himself of, man, he goes, that's a great question. He goes, you know what? And he thinks and he goes, because I know 95% of people won't show up. Mm. It's never been easier to shine when no one shows up. And I was like, my man. I mean, I've, I've been <clears throat> preaching for over the last year and with your team, what you guys have been doing and with Steve Harney and the, the, re, the importance of showing up when people don't, which is the concept yeah. of a lighthouse, right? And leading when others won't, running when people are walking, practicing when no one else is, sleeping while people are partying. Those are the separator moments. And, you know, right now, if you're in a race that no one's running, it's, it, it's easy to win. Right. But what people don't like about that race that no one's running is that it's hard. It's running through nails and shards of glass and fire and dragons and all this, the, all the stuff that we don't want to, but you're still making massive ground. And right. at some point they're going to have to run through it. They're just delaying it. So I'm going to run through it faster and harder. I don't care if I bleed, if I don't sleep for a while, it's only temporary. This is all mindset stuff, by the way, this is all narrative that I create for myself so that I can function within it. And when you have a narrative like that, like right. I function from the narrative, I show up when others don't. Okay, that's a cool narrative. Right. And then I live into that. Right. That that mindset I think is so powerful, right? If you're running a race and nobody else or fewer people are running it, more more statistically you have more of a chance to win. I mean, I think yep. is, is your point. So let's that's a perfect setup for the conversation of this podcast. How's the market? Because we can show up in that moment. Number one question that's asked of you know, uh, an agent, somebody in our business, Renee, how's the market? And in that moment becomes, I better have a good answer. I'm fearful. I'm stressed. How do you, how do you coach people? If, if I'm willing to show up, then I've got to be able to willing, you know, I've got to be able willing to show up well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that <clears throat> I've asked that question to tens of thousands of people over the last year and a half. Like, because I want to test what their answer is. Right. And I've asked leaders that. <clears throat> and I'll say, okay, so, hey, how's the market treating you? I want yeah. to leave it open. And if I hear, well, oof, man, we're just, we're just trying to keep our heads above water right now. It's just been, I've never seen anything. Like, like I immediately know what every one of their people is thinking and saying. The same yep. thing. All the leaders set the tone for the narrative, which the narrative is a construct of reality, which determines our behavior. And if that narrative is coming from the leader, <clears throat> I guarantee everybody else is saying the same thing. But the top performers, people that are winning, they're, I say, hey, how's the market? I'm like, we were born for this. Temporary, everyone's gonna get scared. We're gonna wait them out. We're gonna out hustle them. All the value propositions that we've been doing, the technology, operational efficiencies, right now, this is where we shine. Yeah. I mean, it's never been easier to recruit. It's never been easier to land deals. I mean, and it's like, okay, there's just, there's just, there's, they're just different. Yeah, just in the way they communicate in their mindset. How do you, how do you train for that? Is there a training for it? Is there, is there a way to prepare? You know, I think there's two things that you have to manage. The first one is what comes in your ears, mm. right? What, 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 what do we come, what comes in our ears? And obviously the eyes as well is what are we consuming for data information? Who are you hanging around? Are you hanging around people that are winning? Are you hanging around people that are seeing opportunity or are you hanging around people that aren't? And that's one of the first pieces. What do I allow in? And right now, the moment people are negative like that, I just, I, I mute them. And the beautiful thing in social media is you can just mute people. They don't even right. know. 
They have no idea you're muted. <clears throat> I'd rather be unfriended than muted. At least you're telling me you don't like me. But muting me, it's like, I mean, I, like, I'm clueless to the fact that people don't like what I'm doing or that I've become irrelevant to them. Hey, I like you, I love you. I'm just not going to spend much time with you and I'm not going to consume your mindset. Right. You know, it's, it, it, people think about consuming information. What about the mindsets you're consuming and adopting? It's for those who are around you. But you hang around with good people, you start seeing good things. Right. You start seeing opportunities and you start seeing what's possible out there. Right. And all of a sudden now you start interpreting that in, 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 in <clears throat> what do you say, uh, digesting that inside. And so then the second part is what comes out of your mouth. And dear friend Neil Ford says, be careful what you say because you're always listening. Right. And I was like, dang, okay, that's really good. <clears throat> I love that because if I'm explaining, if I'm complaining, I'm listening and reinforcing all that. And the power of the spoken word psychologically is really big. When we speak something out loud to someone else, it bypasses our ego and into our brain as something that is real. So if I'm talking negatively with you, talking about other people, if I'm talking about how horrible the market is and you're doing one of these, it closes that loop to go, this must be real. So surround yourself with people who agree with you on negative stuff. You will just confirm the world sucks. Right. You try that to somebody that's good. Tell them how bad it is. And be like, ah, hold on a second. I don't think you're looking at this right. Right. That's a powerful thing. That point, I've always thought about this, and I don't know if it's the right psychological or um, brain uh, term. Uh, I heard it was called narrative circuitry. Like we spend time telling ourselves what we believe is true. Right. If I if I tell myself I believe the market sucks or I believe whatever, not de, not denying reality of what's you know in the world today, that we end up creating uh, this track that says there's no way to overcome it. You know, I would say yep. at, the, at the core of what we've done at Keeping Current Matters for the last 15 years is to say what's really happening and how do we ultimately then go out and communicate that to buyers, sellers, folks in the in the business. You know. Yeah, and so you're talking about the narrative. Well, let's just let's dive into narrative for a minute. So narrative <clears throat> plays a big function. Stories play a big function. And a lot of people have a very limited view of what story means. They think a story is, hey, once upon a time. Right. Okay, that's one form of story and narrative. But a narrative fundamentally is, has a, is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right? And when we look at <clears throat> how we do that, the brain at between ages three and four starts, starts to realize that narrative is important. You know, dad's hungry, beginning, walks to the fridge and consumes something, middle, he's not hungry, end. Oh, so when hungry, engage in that three-step narrative. And <clears throat> then we, by age 9 to 13, we realize that narrative is guided by a set of values, right? Uh, Johnny is alone on Sundays. Huh, mom invites him to dinner. Johnny's happy and not sad anymore. Okay, when people are alone, feed them and right. invite them into your family. Okay, there's a sense of generosity. And you realize that by age 21, that those narratives and those values aren't just situational. They apply broad board. I could be doing that at work instead of just with Johnny. I'm <clears throat> doing that all over. And so why does the brain have narrative? Well, it's the way that it helps construct memory. But it's also the way that it explains the world to itself. The second most important job, first is to keep us alive for the brain, keeps us alive. But the second most important job is to make sense of the world around us. And we do that through narrative. How do we explain the world to ourselves as a part of the brain that is designed to create that narrative? This is what's going on. And it has very little indication of truth. It just needs an explanation. So I can give you study after study to show how we narrate things that are just untrue, but at least there's a story here. 
And why do I need a story? Because what's an example? Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What's you see, an example? You, you, you see that? Hold, you see that? What I just did there? Like I paused. Yeah. So you as a good interview have to intervene in that pause. Yeah. But what what I left the audience with was what was he about to say? Right. So that's a narrative gap. And the brain, the listener, can't handle a gap in the narrative because it constructs reality. And so it immediately has to fill it with an assumption. I, I will do this on stage while I'll be in the mi middle of something and I'll just walk off stage and people be like, what the heck happened? <laughs> and then I'll be back. So I said, so pay attention to what's happening in your brain and how quickly your brain filled it. And it filled it with an assumption based on what? Your past experiences. Well, what if your past experience is negative? Well, you're going to fill it with a, with a negative assumption. And if you don't know the story of the individual up there, then you're going to have to pull from your own story to make sense of their life. And the first job is to keep us alive. So we're going to choose a story that keeps me safe. And so this whole process happens around the narrative. My next book is going to be called uh, The Narrative Gap. That's what they want me to write it about. Hmm. Around this whole idea of how, I mean, think of how many gaps in the narrative are happening daily. Right. Like just constant. And so if our brain deals with a narrative gap with an assumption, then most of our life is an assumption. That's deep. Which we have to understand the source of the. <laughs> so here's here's to put you on the spot. Let me ask you a question. Let's do it. Where is an area right now in our business where that is happening? Uh, explaining the market for sure. Yeah. Right now, so the media understands this narrative gap concept, and so do politicians, and so they are racing to be the trusted source of the right. gap. And so, which is why, by the way, in every single real estate mortgage presentation I do, I talk about keeping current matters. Every one of them. There isn't one that I don't. And the reason is, is you guys provide the data, the information, the visual uh, cues, the language, the scripting, and the actual in true information to fill the gap and to be that trusted expert instantly, instantly. Yeah. And so right now, the, the, the thing that I tell people is that the best way to do this is you got to own the story, own the narrative. And one way is to say, okay, you have to separate buying and buying and financing. Yeah. There are two distinct things, two completely different processes and two very different metrics that determine whether one is good or bad. So buying right now, if we just set aside financing, is it a good time to buy right now, David? Absolutely. It's phenomenal, right? Because yeah. I watch all your research on what's going to happen over the next four or five years. Right. You'd be stupid not to buy a home. But now there's another decision that they make the mistake of putting them together, which is financing a home. Right. And now, in comparison, the last two to three years, is it a great time? Not in comparison, but that's not the full equation. Sure. The full equation would be just to look at what is the, it's like saying, I'm not going to buy Apple stock or Tesla stock because I didn't buy it at a dollar. Well, I'm not going to get a house because I didn't have it at 3%. Well, there are people making millions, if not billions on those stocks, buying them at the current price that they're at, which is higher than ever. Right. It's the same with the home. And so the thing that people need to understand, the narrative is, I have to shift it to saying, buying and financing, two different things. So let's have two different conversations. First, let's talk about buying. And so in this vehicle, basically, you're going to build wealth over the next five to 10 years. That's proven. We know it. It's going to happen. Now you're worried about financing. Well, here's the best part about financing. One, you need to get in the game. You'll play a little bit more than what you used to pay, but there's only a couple things will happen. Let's say, worst case scenario, rates go up. That's the worst case scenario. Meaning, rates go up, you go, and but you know what you're gonna say? Tell me under the worst case scenario? Thanks, Dave, for getting me in. Right. Right? Best case scenario is rates come down, but you're thinking, wait a minute, why would that be best? I go, because you can always restructure the loan. You can't restructure the original purchase price of a home. 
That's locked right. in. The, right. the interest rate up and down doesn't matter. Restructure it. Most real estate agents know what's happening. Good agents understand what's happening. But great agents, they can explain what's happening. At Keeping Current Matters, we help real estate agents become experts. With market insights and marketing tools, you'll not only stand out, you'll thrive in any market. Keeping Current Matters, be the expert. How do you step into a conversation in the best way possible when someone has been told this is true, right? So, so if, if you're listening to the news, you're listening to somebody talk about our business outside of our business, or maybe even somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about, and you want to come in with facts, what's the best pattern interrupt? What's the way to do that? Well, the best way begins way before that conversation ever happened is to have a trusted brand, mm-hmm. have a history of being somebody who knows what they're talking about. And so if you come in with a brand or a, a content list of, of a history of a couple years plus of providing good and accurate data and information and being somebody that's there, you come in with some ethos, some credibility, right. and you come in with some leverage and weight behind what you're saying. If you've been silent and you haven't done anything and you're now waking up, Here's the reality. It'll be harder for you to have that conversation because it's like being fat and out of shape and telling somebody how to lose weight. You need to earn the right to talk about it first. Being broke and telling somebody how to make money, not the person I'm going to listen to. And if you've been the jokester online and talking about all the best memes and all you tell me about are memes and how funny things are and the Tiger King and all that stuff, and you're up to speed on all of them, and now you're going to tell me about the market, mm, your brand is right. the jokester. Right. And so- you got to ask yourself, are you, are, have you been setting yourself up to win that conversation? And if you haven't, then welcome to an awakening to stop doing that and begin now. So that in a year from now, you go like, man, thank God I made that decision. So the best part though, say you don't have a brand, is to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. So why do you feel it's a bad time to buy? Yeah. And I would ask that question and let them, because what they're going to do is they're going to reveal their sources. I want to know the sources of the assumptions they're making and the sources of that. And what you'll find if you've done any research, if you're worth your weight at all as an advisor, then you're going to realize real quickly that their sources are weak and they might be their parents. And I said, well, you know, and I might ask a question. I said, well, you know, that's what a lot of people are saying. And I go, let me ask you another question. Do you trust the media? And so I'm going to then attack politely the source. And if they say yes, I'd say, wow, that's interesting. You're the first person I've ever heard to say that. <laughs> Most likely they're going to say no. And right. I said, so if you don't trust the media, why don't you trust the media? And they're going to say, well, you know, and all sorts of things. And they're probably going to come. I said, well, here's why I don't, because they're not a public service organization. They are there as a for-profit entity. And the things that sell the most are the things that scare people. Mm. And one of the scariest topics is housing. And so my job is, is to help people see beyond what the media is trying to help us see. And by the way, I'm not mad at them because I'm a for-profit business too. So are you. So I'm right. not demonizing them. Just I just don't trust them. To give, yeah. I just don't trust somebody who is a reporter to really understand. And it probably barely owns a house. Maybe. Right. Maybe it's renting. How are they going to tell me about that? They're just, it's not their market. So I wouldn't go to to a reporter for housing information. Let me, so let me tell you what I know. And I would say there's two different parts of this equation that nobody likes to talk about. One is buying a home is very different than financing a home. 
I'll explain. And I just to go back to the same scripting I went earlier. But I would begin with understanding and listening because one, if you go back and just tell them they're wrong, you're going to get a reaction from them, which is defensive. Sure, right. That, that then becomes, yeah, an interaction, me against you. Yeah. And so I just sit on their side of the table and say, well, let me ask you some questions. How did you hear that? Oh, the media, this, this. I said, well, do you, do you trust the media? Well, I heard it from my uncle. Great. What does your uncle do? Well, he's, he's in construction. It's like, awesome. So would you consider him an expert in real estate? And I asked it without any charge yeah. in my voice, right? Well, he's dumb. What would he know? I don't say it that way. I said, well, would you consider him an expert in real estate? Does he own real estate? He doesn't. I said, so would you take the advice of somebody about a restaurant that they have never tried before? I said, so it's a little bit hard. And I go, I've been doing this X amount of years. And so, but also part of my job, by the way, is having this exact conversation we're having right now. And there's a reason why some people have a higher net worth than others. And then I go back to use your data. I love your data around renters and buyers and right. net worth. And said, you know, so if they're renting right now, renters are just shooting, shooting fish in a barrel right now to me. You say, well, have you heard of the, so I'd ask this question right away is, Hey, is, is net worth an important thing to you? Do you know what net worth means? And a renter might say, no, I've heard the number. I don't know what it means. It gives you an opportunity to educate in a really nice way. Right. Yeah. Net worth. Yeah. It's important to me. How would you describe net worth? I'd ask. Well, it's, you know, that my accumulated assets, uh, the, 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 the sum total of my assets minus my, my liabilities. I said, okay, pretty close. And I said, good. I said, well, I'm in the business of helping grow net worth. Do you know the net worth of a, of a homeowner? And they're not going to know. What is the number right now? It's 250, 260, 40? Yeah, the average equity in a home right now is $279,000. Average equity. Well, what's, you had a right. sense the average net worth was up there. It's 42, 42 times that of a renter. On yeah. Average. Well, I always go with what that is. So they go, wow, from the number I saw for you guys around 250-ish thousand. Yeah. And then they'd be like, wow, that's pretty cool. But the, 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 the sequence that I'm talking about is really important. I'm like, do you know the average net worth of a renter? And they'd be like, no. I said, it's around $6,000. Right. And so you're looking at 42 times, that's 4,200% more than renting. I said, so I'm in the business of helping you grow net worth. Right. And now there's two ways that we have to do that. One, we have to get you in a home. And then the second is we have to finance that home. Right. And so that's first. So let's talk about home ownership. And I'd give them the data on what's going to happen over the next four years, what the optimists, the pessimists, and the combina combination of the two, the average of the two, what they're saying. And by the way, the average is going to be around 10% to 10, almost 11%. The high end is going to be almost 25%. The low end is going to be what, like five, six? Right. So it's, it, there's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a reality to this whole thing. And then I say, okay, so financing. And the same thing, I'd go into that conversation. And the good news about financing is it's temporary. And so that, that, that's how I would approach that conversation. But it's, this is, and this is, this goes back to, I'm sure you're going to bring up the lawsuit too. I think this goes back to the reality that this lawsuit is going to force agents to have to learn how to present value. Sure. Right. Just like every single industry in the world. <laughs> right. Right. I wasn't going to go there with the lawsuit, but I, I, I think it pushes towards the, professional advisor, right? Yeah. You have to be prepared with the facts for how you're going to guide your client forward to, to build, certainly on the buy you side. Explain your value. Mm -hmm. I have to explain my value every day to every single customer. In right. mortgage and real estate, you just showed up before. Like mortgage presentations were for the last two and a half years, hey, what's your social security number? <laughs> right. That, right. Was, that was the presentation. And what's in real estate, it was, address, yeah, I can right. show you a home. Yeah, yeah. I'll take, yeah, you want to see that home? Yes. There's my presentation. And and, and God bless them because I, in the money grabs in those moments, I do the same thing. I, and, I, and, and I love the fact that they had that opportunity. It served me well because I got a chance to serve them. So I made money along with them. 
But now we got to go back to presenting value. And that week we're a little rusty. Let's get the cobwebs off. Let's right. Let's shake it out. Right. And yeah, get, right. get ready to to explain. Here's why I'm valuable. Right. I, I think even in some of those cases, somebody coming in new to the business right now is perfectly prime because you don't have some of those bad habits. Absolutely. You know, you've Absolutely. been you, you've been taking orders or or you know, kind of running in that very you, you know, people being busy, no doubt over the last yep. couple of years, but not having to exercise that muscle. So we started off this, and, and I said, hey, Renee is the goat of communication. To be able to do that, you have to communicate effectively. And that, no doubt, has changed over the last several years, right? In the, in the Zoom world that we were during COVID, now back, you know, live presentations. What are you coaching people? And in full disclosure, in, in the things that I've done, speaking and all, I went through your um, Amplify workshop, which is kind of a two-day boot camp, and, and certainly love for you to talk uh, about that for people that are looking to communicate more effectively. But in a world today where we can be on social media and we can we can broadcast ourselves, right? If we're going up against the news, in your example, we can be yep. the news as well. Absolutely. And we can do it personally. So what are you... How are you coaching people right now for sort of the tenets of effective communication in this world and in this market? Well, you nailed it. We are the media now. I, I don't go to CNN or Fox to, to get information. Yeah. I literally get it from my newsfeed and on my social media. We can judge that, but most people do now. Sure. They say and this so within, will be the, the, the first election cycle where podcasters will have more influence than a <sighs> traditional media source. That's wild. I did not know that. But think it about makes, that. It makes, but but it think makes about the sense. reality of that. Yeah, that makes total sense. I love that. And I think it's, it's <clears throat> so in terms of this, one is people have to realize that they're not a victim of the media anymore. You know, well, I don't like social media. It just shows me X, Y, and Z. I said, well, here's the thing. The media's gonna, the social media is going to show you what you want based on this thing called an algorithm right. and based on what you click. So if you don't like seeing the big booties, maybe stop watching them, <laughs> right? If you don't see negative news, maybe stop listening to the negative news. It's just going to give you more. It's going to give you more of what you want so that social media is an, is honestly, your feed is a mirror of you and your thinking. And until you decide to shift that, and you can literally go back and mute and silence all the negative stuff, and you can create a beautiful feed of information. And so one is they have to recognize that they are not helpless in this. It's, you know, there's a lot of times they, like, they feel like, well, no raindrop ever felt responsible for the flood. It's an African proverb. And we feel like raindrops in the in the news media and the noise. Well, if you are weak and if you don't have something strong, you don't have an opinion, you haven't been putting the time in, just like everything, by the way, no one will listen. And at first, no one's going to listen. I've been doing this 30 years, and most of those years were empty rooms and small little breakout sessions. Most. And you still do it anyways. And be like, wow, I want to get on that stage. I'm like, great. Start now. See you in about 20, 30 years. <laughs> right. Right? Unless you do something miraculous, you'll get up there. That's great, and I will hope you do. But you got to put a thirty-year mindset behind this, for sure. Just like everything. So the communication piece, in terms of that one, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, we can get into the details of social media, long form, short form, which I've had to make massive shifts in, and those shifts <clears throat> served us well in our following. We got when I made the shift. Finally, we got to about a million followers in TikTok, and just right under six months. And uh, Instagram, in about f six, seven months, we got to about 220 or 220, 222,000 right now. And what was that? What was the 
one thing in short form that you say led to that? It wasn't one thing, um, but it was the, the, the crux was me surrendering to the fact that I had to change. The world wasn't going to change. Meaning I was frustrated about how people had such short attention spans. They wanted quick, short, short form information, which I know doesn't solve the problem, does not create massive change. It's just like a little dopamine hit. It's a little simple sugar. It's not a real quality protein. You know what I mean? There's not nothing quality behind it. And I would be the, I was the bitter guy that said, well, we need to go back to the old times. You know, I was just basically my parents. And when I finally said, okay, hold on, this is what is today. I need to learn how to consolidate a message in one simple idea in less than a minute in a way that captures attention in three seconds or less, and then to be able to do that. So it's going to put my content to the test. And I had once I surrendered to that and realized that it was a department versus me on a side part of what I do, Right. and I finally hired the people to make it a department. My short form videos, just short form, is an entire department. Just short form. And so yeah. we treated as such. That's, I mean, I think that, and, and it kind of leads me to a thought that's been in my mind that I've heard you say before, is there's a difference between talking and getting people to want to listen to you. Because I think that's what you're talking about in short form, right? That's what people want. Then how do you, how do you get them to want to listen to you? I think Mark Cuban said when somebody was complaining on Shark Tank that, they, that the sharks weren't listening and he stops them and he says, hey, hey, hold on a second. It's not our job to listen. It's 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 your job to get us to want to listen. And yeah. I thought how powerful of that is. And so when you get into the psychology of getting people to listen, you have to separate two things, captive audience versus non-captive audience because they're two completely different strategies. And so what I taught and teach and amplify is captivating a captive audience. How do I gain the attention of a captive audience? So a captive audience can't scroll you. They can't swipe you. They're sitting in a chair and they're locked in with you. That's and like so somebody that's, at an event or, or at a presentation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or at a meeting, right? Right. One-on-one. They're, they're not going to go, oh, this is boring. Swipe. Next conversation. Right. <laughs> they just right. can't do that, which they can on social. Yeah. So in that, they you can start to, with- but they can't. <laughs> oh God, I know, right? How fun would that be? Um, the- the, uh, so it usually we'll begin with some level of story. I remember when I was a kid and all of a sudden we engage in that and our brain starts to narrate that story internally and we stop all daydreaming and we're fully engaged in the story and in our somatosensory uh, parts of our brain are going wild and we're doing neural coupling and all the research behind storytelling begins. If you start your short form video with, so I remember when I was a kid, you're swiped. If you start with, hey everybody, it's, you know, it's tax Tuesday and we're gonna talk about swipe. Right. Hey everybody, I just wanted to jump on here real quick and you know, I don't really do swipe. Like that's how fast your audition is. And so when you realize you're auditioning to a non-captive audience that has an endless supply of choices and will make the decision on you within less than three seconds, that shifts everything you say. And you right. better get to the point immediately. Here's why buying a home is the biggest mistake ever. What? Biggest mistake? I thought it was, well, when I say biggest mistake, there's a certain way. Now you can get into explaining what you really mean by that. Well, that's kind of a, you know, a bait and switch kind of an idea. Or, you know, people want to talk about taxes. Well, let me tell you about a 1031 exchange. Swipe. Well, okay. Well, I want to talk. It's really valuable. I'll say, well, what's the real value? Okay. Well, here's how the rich avoid paying taxes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Avoid paying taxes. 
And so the next step of that is how do you cover the unconscious objection? Well, isn't that illegal? So your next phrase should be, here's how the rich avoid paying taxes. And don't worry, what I'm about to show you is perfectly legal. Now I've covered two critical pieces of that. Well, what if the objection was, well, I'm not rich? Well, here's how the rich avoid paying taxes. And don't worry, you don't have to be rich to benefit from this. Right. So now I've captured you within three seconds. I've covered your unconscious objection. Now I've got to define a problem. I've got, if I say, hey, hey David, do you want a Band-Aid? Do you want a Band-Aid? Absolutely. <laughs> really? No, do you, seriously, you want a Band-Aid right now? I don't need one right now. Yeah, so it's kind of a ridiculous and awkward question. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, like, if I were to say, hey, David, you're bleeding on your cheek. Do you want a Band-Aid? Right. Be like, oh, my God, thank you. And you'd use it because it was in the context of a problem defined. Right. But solutions out of context and out of problem definition are worthless and nobody wants them. And which is what we are constantly shoving solutions to people via social media and no one asks for them. Right. You didn't even tell me there was a problem. And so it's define the problem first and then offer instead do this. Oh man. So I, you got me, you covered my objection. You defined a problem. I didn't know I was bleeding there, but this is a bandaid. Boom. Right. Less than a minute. And there's the right. formula. Is that what you used in your short form? Is that how you kind of think about things that helped you grow? Yep. I've got somebody that helps me write um, the hook. I, I am recorded. They'll, they'll give me topics to talk about. Right. And then they'll give me like the first hook. Because writing a hook is an art form. Yeah. That is a skill set to do right. And my guy has an MBA in communication. His name is Mo. And he himself has 130 some thousand followers. One of the best communicators I've ever met. But he understands marketing and branding. And he understands communication at a very high level. And so we go back and forth. And now it's been over a year where I'm just learning, you know, how do you think in this, in this captivating quick hit format? And it works really well for social, for even podcasts because I can, I can know end to end and how to put these in short clips. Yeah. That, I, I think that idea is, you know, one that I, I certainly see um, uh, folks struggling with is how do I, how do I create a good hook? How do I get content out there? Whether I like, you know, the, the, the distribution channel or not, you know, kind of you mentioned not liking the short form uh, piece of content. If somebody wants to become a better communicator, will you talk just a minute about uh, Amplify and kind of what you take people through there? Amplify is, is, um, is focused on the science of influence. Mm -hmm. And one of the tools of influence is communication. You know, so is body language, right? So is your aesthetic and how you dress communicates things. It's your behavior is part of that. So when you talk about communication, it's like what I'm saying. And I look at communication as the full gamut of your tone of voice, your body language, and what you physically say with your words. And the, what people are, where trust is not built is when there's an incongruency within those three elements. Mm. And so sometimes you'll, your words will say one thing, but your body and tone will say something else. For example, hi, David, I'm really excited to be here today. Right. And so now my words, content-wise, was I'm really excited to be here. But my tone in my body language said that I have no energy, which is not an indication of excitement, which the brain interprets as incongruent. And incongruency is what begins to hurt trust and credibility. But if I say, hey, Dave, man, it's so great to see you, man. I'm so excited to be here today. And so now all of it's congruent. And so if you're shaking and trembling in front of a room and you're saying that you're excited to be there, well, we're seeing the shaking and trembling and we're going to believe that over your words. But that's an incongruency. But I can be shaking and trembling and my words might start off as saying, you know, I, 
Guys, clearly I'm, I'm super nervous being here. And I think I'm nervous because this group means a lot to me and the message means a lot to me. And so yeah. um, if you can hang in there with me, we're going to get through this. And all of a is sudden- that the same I'm saying, as just oh, owning it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. The, the owning is the tool. The outcome is congruency. Right. And the outcome of that is trust. And so owning it creates congruency, which results in people trusting you because- like I see it and you see it, but it also increases credibility because it shows that you have self-awareness. We are constantly looking for and testing someone's self-awareness, which is why we have such a hard time with tone deaf people. Yeah. Because they just, they're not connected and I can't connect with them because they're just so disconnected themselves. And if one is not in touch with their own feelings on things, if they're not aware of those feelings, it is impossible for them to understand the feelings of others. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that ability to step into a room in the market that we're in today to be confident and be the guide, right, to, to, to tell that story effectively um, is something that we all have to practice. Now, here's what's coming up. Um, you, you know, during uh, the holiday season, end of the year, we're going to come in contact with a lot of people, right? The, the, the chance yeah. to be able to communicate well interpersonally not be tone deaf. How do you, this is, is, is a question that I wonder about a lot. And I'd love to just have your perspective. Yeah. A lot of questions that come up about real estate are emotion-based questions, right? Fear-based questions. Nobody wants to go out and buy a home if they believe the price is going to fall, right? Let's just say that as a fact. Now we can say, hey, we can, we can combat that with all sorts of facts and things like that. But but we have an emotional-based question that oftentimes we're going to bring logic to. Yeah. And and that can pose a problem, right? If, if you're asking me an emotion-based question, I'm like, hey, Renee, no, 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 no. You need to understand this, this, and this. And you're saying, David, this is bigger. This is in my heart right now, or this is something deep inside of me. How do you... I don't know the right word to even ask. Bridge that gap, overcome that. How do you influence them in that situation? Is really, I think, what you're asking. And I think, well, the, the first part, let's, let, we got to look at the source of the emotion, right? If that source is from somebody that is near and dear to them, and there's right. a sense of loyalty, yeah, logic won't overcome that typically because that means that they're going to have to say no to somebody else that they love, trust, and, and are loyal to. And so... You have to be really tread cautiously and tread strategically. Let me say tread strategically, not cautiously, strategically through that, that conversation. Just saying, great, what, tell me about where that came from. I just listen. Like, why, why would I? It's, it's like, it, this, the example is this. You go to the doctor and you say, doc, I'm hurt. And the doc says, cool, take this. Tell me how it feels. You'd be like, what do you mean take this? <laughs> you should, don't you want to ask a few questions first? Understand what? Like, what's this medication? Do you even know where it hurt? I didn't even tell you where. That's the same thing we all do when we start offering advice without listening and asking questions. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the things as a consultant, when I, when I say consultant, people, what made me good is that I ask so many questions and I, wanna, and I don't at all assume or pretend to know the business. Even though I'm familiar with the business, I don't pretend to know that I know their situation until I go and I ask all the questions and I do that. And it's the same thing if I'm giving advice to somebody and they have an emotional response. I'm going to ask questions. I say, great, where'd that come from? Because I know the response. If I say, nah, that's just wrong. And here's the data. Right. Well, now we're going ego to ego and not, and, and that's just a great way. And here's one of the secrets around change. 
if you, and, and this is, I started in change management, as you know, the, the, the most important thing to preserve for the person that you're trying to affect and create a change with is to allow them to save face mm. in the process. If you have, if they have to admit they were wrong, if they have to admit, you know, and if they double, triple down on their statement, that means it's going to be even harder publicly. Let's say they do it publicly. Then they're going to have to admit to the public they were wrong. That's not a great way to drive change. But if you can, if you can go back, let's just say it's the, you're having that conversation, the emotional response, and I, and I listen, I find out it comes from their spouse. And I say, you know what? Your spouse is smart. I mean, he's doing his job to protect the family and everything. And right now, with that information, I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. I go, here's, here's what I've learned. And this is where we have to start thinking differently. And I'd love to talk to him or her about this, you know, at some point, but I make it safe when you go, but if you do it in a certain way that they go back and says, well, David says that you're wrong and he, we're going to get on a phone call. I'm like, okay, good luck with that one. Right. right. It's like, no, not happening. But, um, if I can honor the person in that process, while offering new information, I'm not trying to change your mind, but I'm giving you information to make a new decision based on new information, which is a very logical human thing to do, especially if I've honored the reason why you chose the previous stance on something. Mm. And too many people think argument and debate is, a, is, an, is they allow it to be ego-driven. It's a, it's a zero-sum game. But if you look at it to say, okay, hold on, this doesn't have to be zero-sum emotionally. Yeah, I might have won the war, but you don't feel like it's a zero sum. Right, right. And I think that's the tactical art form of it. It's really, really good. I, I think that is the the crux of what comes up every day, right? How, how do we interface with this person and not make it, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. Make it more, hey, let's both agree these are the facts, right? Because then it becomes, it's not a, a, a my opinion versus your opinion, it's yeah. both both what we maybe have seen, heard, or, or and we can agree we've seen it on the news. These are the facts. And what I what I do with people to get that is I say, hey, before we start, I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I want to I want to engage in the search for truth. I trust and respect you, and I want to engage in that journey together. And so let's make an agreement that if if your facts are there, then we both win because you've helped me see more better truth. And right. if I provide a, a piece of insight. We both win because we found better truth. I want to get on the same side of the table with you, and I want us to. I want your experience because I value it, and I'd like to bring some of mine so that together we can make a better decision. Yeah. And by framing that up in the beginning, you're preempting the ego battle, and you're sitting next to each other. And if you can even prime them a little bit by just behaving as in the way that you want them to behave, which would be listen and validate. Right. Listen to their side. Like, wow, that's you know what. That's a, it's a valid point, and that's a, that's a strong one. Yeah. Um, what about this? And you know, here's my take on that, or this is what I was shared with. This is what somebody right. shared with me. And then I present it, but there's got to be room for other people in your argument. If there's no room for anyone, then that feels my way or highway. I'm not right. interested. Even if you're right, I'm not going to heed or give you the, the – the, the, what's the word? Right. Give you the, the, I'm going to dig pleasure. in. I'm going to dig yeah. in at that point. And let's agree, we're talking about our business right now, but this is what the world needs more of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? That's why I mean, I'm employed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's what the world needs more of. You know, when yeah. you think about the disagreements politically, whatever it is, mm -hmm. of just being able to listen well, empathize well. Renee, you're, you're so good at it. If somebody wants to get more involved with what you're doing, wh where would you send them? Where, where, where can we give them a resource to do that? 
Um, follow me on, on Instagram. It's learn with Renee. If you're on TikTok, it's learn with Renee. Uh, my, my website is meet Renee, M E E T Renee.com. And just reach out in one of those areas. We've awesome. got a free masterclass coming up. Um, I don't even know the date, but it's on our website. All right. Good. Good, good, good. Renee, we are grateful for you. You've been a, a phenomenal supporter of what we've done in Keeping Current Matters for years since the start uh, with, Absolutely. with and Steve's relationship. And just know that we are, are grateful for the time that we get to spend with you and for your impact on how we communicate better. You, you guys are the best at this. There is no comparative service to what you do. And it is such a, I've never been more enthusiastic about something I have zero financial interest in. And, <laughs> and it's literally because you just do the good work. You are my trusted source for the narrative gaps out there. And I appreciate what you're doing. And if you're listening to this, please, by all means, if you have the money, invest in this. It's not an expensive service. And if you don't, go to their, their blog. It's valuable too. Yeah. But it's it's just, it's so good. And I, I can't be more supportive of what you guys are doing because it's good for everyone. Thank you for that, Renee. We are grateful for it. Thank you for tuning in to How's the Market. And we enjoy doing this podcast and having great guests on like Renee uh, every single week. So if you enjoyed this podcast, share it with somebody that you know could benefit as well and also subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you back next week.